There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Live Life Better from Virgin Books in association with Penguin Living. I'm Dominic Frisbee and this week we're back for another episode, speaking to the authors who can help us live our lives more happily and healthily. Spring is in the air, so this week we're talking about spring cleaning our lives. How can we declutter, purify and breathe some fresh air into the areas of our lives that have been gathering cobwebs over the winter? With me on the show, we have author and trend forecaster, James Wallman. Welcome, James. Hello, Dominic. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And also with me in the studio is Elsie Rutterford, the author of Clean Beauty, Recipes to Manage Your Beauty Routine Naturally. How about that? Hello, Elsie. Hi there, Dominic. And a little later, we'll also be hearing from business expert John Cotter, who will be sharing some top tips on how to spring clean your business. And I'm sure that's something we could all do with. So let me start by getting this cleared up, James. What is a trend forecaster and how does one become one? It's a very good question. A trend forecaster. I became a trend forecaster. I guess different people do it different ways. I became one by becoming a journalist. Back in, um, well, I was 29, so I did a master's in journalism. I thought, right, I'm going to be a journalist. was really interested and excited about it. Really what I wanted to do was travel the world and get paid for it, so I became a travel journalist. Turns out travel journalism is a little bit boring after a while because you do the same old thing and it's not very intellectually challenging. Around that time, I met some guys at a company called The Future Laboratory and they fascinated me because they claimed they could tell the future which of course is nonsense, and I thought it was nonsense. But I was fascinated enough to do some work for them into trends that were happening. My first piece was in 2004 on um, trends in food, and I was, I was hooked. I mean, it's really interesting, it's really challenging, and it's the same, my take on it, it's the same skills that a historian uses to tell a story about the past. A journalist tells a story about the present, and a forecaster, futurist, whatever you want to call this person, tells a story about the future. You, you hook on to some specific facts that you can get hold of, and you weave a story around it. And that's what I do. Very interesting. And I want to I want to find out how often you're right. But what we'll do, we'll later. Always, in the show, Dominic. Oh, of course. <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll find out some of your forecasts in a moment. Elsie, now you are from a marketing background, I read here on your CV. So how did you become a a beauty? What do you call yourself? A beauty 
a beauty, a beauty, beauty guru. Yeah, James is going for beauty guru. So shall we go for that? We we will. But you used to turn <laughs> at the beginning of the end before we started. I am the co-founder of a natural beauty brand. A natural beauty yeah. brand. Well, how, anyway, how did you yeah. make that jump? So yeah, so I've got an advertising background. So in 2013, I met my business partner Dominica. We joined the same digital advertising company at the same time. Uh, And we really quickly hit it off. We became very good buddies. We were working very closely together. But one kind of real point of commonality or real sort of shared interest that we found that we had was a kind of shared interest in health and wellness and fitness. And it was at that time, the kind of trend, I guess it's a trend-ish, was hitting the UK of these sort of food bloggers who were coming along, you know, your Deliciously Ellas and your Hemsley Sisters and your Madeline Shaws. And, you know, just opening up different ways of eating, different kind of food groups and making things like veganism cool, which, you know, historically really hadn't been. And we just found that really interesting. We really enjoyed kind of exploring the way that different foods could kind of fuel, fuel your body. And it was nice to have an ally in that so the, the pair of us would kind of you know go off together and make sweet potato brownies and compare notes and all of that sort of sweet stuff yeah oh, <laughs> uh we don't make them anymore they're really not very nice but oh, um, oh, okay. no so <laughs> yeah so that was you know that was becoming a kind of a bigger part of our lives and at the same time you know we're huge beauty junkies always have been since we were young we were in sales roles so we would use the corporate credit card to take out clients to nails and the spa and all of those fun things that we could benefit from as well that we thought were more fun than just going to the pub and clean beauty co the company which actually was a blog to start with was born out of a collision of those two things so we were kind of scrutinizing these food labels and really trying to understand what food ingredients did for our bodies but we'd never applied that thought to our beauty products and that actually doesn't make any sense because our skin is our body's biggest organ you know it absorbs a lot of what you put on it it's the mirror of the soul absolutely yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, no, that's the eyes, isn't it? <laughs> well, I th- I, yeah, a mirror of the soul can kind of work. It shows, you know, it shows. It's the first thing. It's the first. When thing I've been up to you. no good, my skin <laughs> is the big giveaway. Yeah, absolutely, it, absolutely, and it's there. It's protecting you. It's holding you all in. Yeah, and it's completely giving you away. Um, and yet we actually don't um, don't give it much thought. And that, to us, the more we thought about it, the more it just didn't make sense. You know, why were we turning away from processed foods to put into our bodies, but we actually had no idea what was going into the sort of creams and shampoos and conditioners and all of these really expensive beauty products that we were using. We just had no idea what they were made yeah, up they of. they never tell you that. What's in cream? You yeah, never well, know. You just get yeah. some hydroxide benzoxine. Yeah, exactly. What's that? Yeah, so that for us, we were we just there was a huge disconnect there. So we decided to see if we could decipher ingredients labels on on our creams. You know, un- understand what those ingredients actually are. And Clean Beauty Co was uh, we'd started to blog that journey, um, and it, and it grew from there really. A beauty blogger. I've never met a beauty blogger before. <laughs> How exciting! Right, we'll we'll discuss some of your recipes in the moment. Back to you, James. Now your book is called Stuffocation, and uh, I'm inferring from that that it is going to tell me that my life will be a lot better if I have a lot less stuff. Is that right? Well, maybe I should ask you. Um, It's a very good play on words and it means that uh, the the amount of stuff we have is suffocating us, I imagine. That's exactly it. Elsie, what did you think? Well, Dominic's just completely taken my guess up. Okay, fine. (laughs) Too much stuff, get rid of stuff. Exactly. We have too much stuff. It's causing us all sorts of problems. But it's, it's, it's more than just the personal thing. You know, when you open your wardrobe and it's full of 
things that you could wear, but there's nothing you actually want to put on. It's when you go through your kitchen, you open up your cupboards, and it's just full of bits, but you have to kind of fight through to the thing that you want to use. You know, that kind of thing. There's mm-hmm. way too much stuff in our lives. You know, all those pairs of shoes that you have that come out of the cupboards. When you open your drawers and everything kind of feels like it's jumping out again. But it's more it than that. It can be solved by bigger houses. Oh, no, not at all. Not in, not in London. I believe in micro-housing. I believe oh, in smaller homes. Absolutely, More stuff will not make you more happy, and there's loads of data that shows this. So this is, this is the other thing. The book is more than just the kind of like uh, Marie Kondo, get rid of your stuff kind of thing, and yeah. I'm going to show you how to get rid of your stuff. It's also it's a, a big statement about how our world is shifting from materialism as the defining value system of our culture to something I call experientialism. And this is where the trend forecasting Uh, work came in. So instead of looking for happiness and identity and status in things, in stuff, we're finding happiness, identity and status in experiences instead. That's very good. So it's more important than having a nice car is the fact that you've been on a jungle trek in Bolivia or something like that yeah it's what you do not what you have is what counts and if you think about the way the world was in um, good. 20th century could, if, if, if you ask me I think that's good it is a good thing it's, it's yeah. really good for people as individuals it makes you much more happy if you spend your money on experiences rather than stuff you will be happier for a whole bunch of reasons and it's better for the environment and it's better for inequality too it's good for society so how did people fall into this kind of pattern of excess and accumulation I, th- I think it was the great and the greatest story of the 20th century. If you think about the way the world went, we went two different ways. One was those poor people that ended up behind the Iron Curtain and the rest of us. The lucky recipients of people who practised consumerism in the 20th century. Bear in mind that was a new thing for the 20th century. really started in the 20s in the United, in the United mm. States. And so materialism is the value system that underpins consumerism, which is the thing that's underpinned the, the incredible success of capitalism. Think what life was like 100 years ago. The biggest problem for most people was finding enough food to put food on the table to feed the family. Whereas now, because of that magical system where people buy more things than they need, they we think we need another pair of shoes and another shirt, another this, another that, another whatever. The magic of that system is that when you buy that thing, it gives somebody in a store a job and it gives someone who's making the thing a job and it gives people in advertising a job, which gives people in the media a job. And it's this wonderful, virtuous circle of capitalism, which has taken us from a time of scarcity, which was really the human condition from from the era of farming 16,000 odd years ago to the 20th century for the first time ever in human history the vast majority of people had plenty not scarcity thanks to capitalism thanks to consumerism and thanks to materialism so it was an amazing idea and it's brought us to this point where I can write a book with a ridiculous title like stuffocation instead of people just laughing at me and saying James you've made up a ridiculous word they realise it's a ridiculous word and they get it instantly because we all have too much stuff hence problems with the environment problems with happiness you know think about the stress the anxiety the depression in the society and the issues with inequality so there's all these issues now with materialism which has been so good for us and now we need to find another way forward what that makes me think of is we have these kind of great revolutions in history we had the agricultural revolution then we had the industrial revolution and i think a lot of you know materialism in a way kind of began with the in- industrial revolution or materialism for the masses and now since maybe the 90s we've got the internet revolution and i suppose digital is kind of it's not real stuff it's experience in a way rather than do you you know what i mean it's 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 taking you away from the from this kind of real world thing there are all sorts of things that are happening and changing of course and the digital is one of them and one of the reasons why i believe 
that this is really important and this is one of the seismic changes of the 21st century is, is digital. So you don't need to have a library of books anymore. You can have a Kindle. You don't need to have, um, actually, do you have a record collection? Elsie? Yeah, we do. do How actually, many records yeah. do you have? Uh, probably 100 or so. Okay, so 100 yeah. records. Okay. Dominic, you have a record collection? I do, you... and it's a hangover from my days as a student. Okay, so how many have... you got? You've got like thousands. I've got records which is about as big as my okay. arms held yeah. out on either side. Okay. I don't know how long is that. Two metres? And that's probably Meter. managed from what you used to have. Is that less than you used to have? Or is yeah, that... a little bit. It's yeah, just okay. one of that. I never got around to throwing it away. Yeah, okay. Hopefully you'll read Stuffication and see the light. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but keep the ones you love. There's nothing wrong with stuff. Yeah. It's, it's too much stuff. But the last job I had... Um, all the, all the guys that were working for in their 20s, and they have Spotify. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to own a whole bunch of records no, anymore. You've got Spotify. You don't need to, need to own a bike. You can use a Boris bike. You don't, don't need to have a car. You can use Zipcar. So the magic of digital is it, it's meant that we don't need to have so much stuff. We've got access rather than ownership. And it's the same with houses. Houses are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And actually, if you, if you become an urban population, you haven't got so much space. You guys both live in central London, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. I wouldn't call it zone two. Central ish. Okay. Yeah. Come on. Other people would call that central. You know, if you live in the city, you are choosing less space yeah. and more experiences by definition. Mm -hmm. So that's I mean, that's a couple of things. Facebook's important, social media, because if you think about um, if you wanted to get status back in the 20th century, you would do it through the ritualistic display of your handbag or your watch or your car or your thing because people yeah. would see you with that stuff. No one would know that you'd been to the opera or you'd been, uh, you know, to Paris for the weekend or you'd been to a pop-up restaurant. Not that they had pop-up uh, restaurants yeah, in those yeah, days. Yeah. Whereas today... You post it on Instagram, you post it on Facebook, you put it on your blog, you put it on LinkedIn that you've just been to, you know, TED or TEDx or a conference in Las Vegas or whatever it is that you're doing. So you get status through what you do, not through what you have. And if you think about it, by walking down the street or paying for something with a fancy wallet or being seen with your um, handbag or shoes, a lot of that was wasted in the, from a status perspective, because a lot of the people that would see it wouldn't be related to you in any way. But on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, etc., the people who are your friends and followers are your peers, your friends, your colleagues, your exes, the people that you really want to know where your status is. And if you think about that, this is why, you know, I, I was happy to kind of, you know, hold my head up and say this is what I believe about this shift from materialism to experientialism is almost was it 1.8 1.9 billion people on the planet 1.1 1 in six people on the planet is on Facebook now so that means that one in six people on the planet whether they realize it or not doesn't matter are getting status and expressing themselves to other people through what they do not through what they have through their experiences not through their material goods but do you think that's healthy don't you think people start to do things for the status rather than for the experience because of things like Facebook? It's because really, they feel that they have to. It's a really good point. It's really, really dangerous. People, it's amazing. doesn't matter where I talk to people about this, these ideas. People bristle at the idea of status. But the, the truth is we all love status. Status is an important part of who we are. We exist within a social hierarchy. All mammals do. So if you see um, the pride of lions... You can see who the alpha lion is. If you see, um, or if you listen to howler monkeys, you hear the howler monkey doing their incredible kind of, 
I can't really do this now, but it's kind of... <laughs> do it. I can't do it. I really can't do it. Um, they make that sound, and that sound yeah. is intended to tell other male howler monkeys, go away, I'm bigger and stronger than you, and other female howler monkeys, hey, I'm really hot, come and get me, okay? So this, you know, this sexual selection aspect of our lives is really important. Darwin talks about it, of course. If you look at um, Birds of Paradise, they have those crazy feathers, they do those crazy dances. And humans do it too. And the truth is that in a consumer society, in a materialistic consumer society, the best way to shake your tail feathers was by having a bigger house and a better car and a fancy handbag and a great big watch. And in an experientialist time, we just tend to get our status through what we do, not through what we have, by doing something interesting. There are real challenges, and I think probably my next book will look at that a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. Now, it's not just our homes and our beauty that needs decluttering. Over time, businesses can become bogged down in lengthy bureaucratic processes and lose their agility and their spark. John Cotter is a professor of leadership at Harvard Business School, and he tells us how to shake a business back into shape. I met with John, and I started by asking him, what are the main things that can bog down a business? Well, the honest answer is it's infinite. If I had to pick one that would top the list, it's the fact that businesses are not necessarily designed to be able to change quickly in light of changing markets, products, political events, uh, and anything. And that really gets them bogged down in ways that are not good for employees, are not good for the people that are running it, are not good for anybody. And I think the single biggest challenge facing governments, businesses, us as individuals, is learning how to, you know, make the trains run on time every day, but also change, figure out what's changing around us. How do we adapt to that in a way that's fast and agile? So tell us some ways that a business can, can clean up and refresh and stay fast and stay agile. Well, the main thing is it has to create a mechanism um, that looks more like a startup. Th think Silicon Valley startup. You know, a bunch of kids in some rented house racing around that can start and stop projects on a dime. They don't have to worry about procedures and budgets and everything else. That They need, in a sense, to add that capability onto a very stable, well-organized organization that can produce a product or a service each and every day. And some people think it's a choice. You know, you do one or the other. No, you've got to do both these days. You've got to be able to um, behave like an entrepreneurial startup and yourself more like an entrepreneur at the same time as a, I don't want to say a big company guy, um, but as a person who can run a well-organized, best-practice organization. What happens to those businesses that don't spring clean versus those that do? You can end up with a house that's just full of junk to the point where you can't move around from room to room and you starve to death and die. I mean, that's... <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. At the extreme, that's what we're talking about. Now, you've written an eight-step strategy. Talk us through your strategy for leading change. Yeah, yeah. What we have found is what works when you've got a big initiative that requires a considerable amount of change is it all starts with uh, clarifying what the opportunity is. Uh, I mean, why are you doing this? Why do you want to even talk about change? What's the opportunity? Not just the problem. What's the opportunity? And creating, among as many people as possible, a real sense of urgency that we ought to do this. This is cool. Um, This makes sense. It's rational. But it's also something that is exciting. And then pulling from them, because they want to, because they are excited, a core group of people that's very diverse, Uh, in terms of different uh, skill sets, levels in the organization, that'll be kind of the core guiding coalition, if you will, that'll drive this. Have them uh, clarify what what our vision is. What's the vision of what we will look like to take advantage of this opportunity? And what are some strategic initiatives that we had to launch immediately? Communicating, communicating, communicating to get people to, to buy into that because it makes sense to them and it's exciting for them. Uh, and then start going on these uh, initiatives. If you do it well enough, there will be enough energy that people will literally, you won't have to appoint them. You won't have to say, George, here's one more job. Uh, They'll volunteer to get involved in this stuff. Uh, And a lot of what they have to do is uh, just overcome all the barriers that stop change inside organizations with uh, an emphasis on getting some successes as early as possible because successes give you credibility and build momentum. And then it's just a matter of just banging away uh, more barriers, more successes, more barriers, more successes, more communication. Stabilize it when you've got it done uh, and you're doing it in a new way. Make sure it's a, a part of the system and it's a part of the culture. And then you move on to the next initiative and just keep bam, ba, bam, ba, bam. And you do it well and you can make very big changes inside even big organizations. Even inside super tankers. Believe it or not. If you could give listeners at home one piece of advice uh, on how to spring clean their business, what would it be? Really believe that you need to do it. People don't do things like this because deep down, even though they will nod at you, oh, yes, 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 I should do that because it seems so obvious and logical. Deep down, they don't believe it's necessary. There's a certain complacency with it. You know, the house isn't that bad. Uh, these few boxes I have to clean over, the attic's a mess. But, but we, can, we live here happily. It works out okay. It's called complacency, and it kills folks. It kills businesses, and it's hurting governments. That it is. John Cotter, thank you very much. 
And that was Professor John Cotter on how to spring clean your business. You're listening to the Live Life Better podcast from Virgin Books in association with Penguin Living. If you're enjoying the show and are inspired by our guests today, we'd love to hear from you. Tweet at Virgin Books using the hashtag LiveLifeBetter. So I'm back in the studio now with Elsie Rutterford and James Woolman, and we're talking about how to spring clean our lives. Elsie, we have spoken about clean eating on the show before, so clean beauty next. In your book, you have a coffee body scrub to scrub away a bad day, a restorative coconut milk soap, and a rejuvenating avocado face mask. Um, how did you discover the avocado face mask? Was that by experiment or by accident? <laughs> Hold on, but can we try them now? Have you brought some with you? I'm afraid not today, James. Another time. Come to one of our workshops and you can try all of this <sighs> stuff. Dominic, have you tried Experiences. these things? Uh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, but I will. Yeah, the avocado face mask was no. It was through experimenting. It wasn't. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't putting breakfast on our face. Um, okay, although... sounds very nine and a half weeks to me. <laughs> so there you are at the weekend. Cuba, I think it's it's quite. There is an old. There is some history with yeah. avocado because I've got a picture in my face of a woman with a cucumbers over her eyes and then a kind of green yeah. face mask, which is probably an avocado. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there are a number of green things that can make up your face mask, but the reason that <laughs> Sorry, we I wondered where you were going there, Dominic, and I was, I was just like, go, go. Keep going (laughs) (laughs) um yeah avocados i mean look they've you know they've become you know a trendy superfood for your bodies um and we decided that why couldn't we literally translate that to our skin so why couldn't we use avocado for its you know rich kind of fatty acids in the way that that nourishes our bodies why couldn't we use that same kind of hydration properties for our skin and when you do it's amazing you come out feeling glowing so we're starting with with kind of natural foods as a good starting point, okay. so vegetables and fruit, and we call it skin food. What were the other two that Dominic asked you about? So avocado. coffee, coffee body scrub. And what? Did, how do you do that? Um, so you mix coffee, coffee like ground coffee, uh-huh. not instant coffee because yeah. it will just disintegrate. With oils, so in the book I think we use sweet almond oil, and you can add an essential oil to that as well. So a grapefruit is very nice, mm. and the combination, the coffee is a very very gentle exfoliator, so it will help to get rid of dead skin skin cells and then the oils will kind of uh, nourish and hydrate the skin the, the new skin that's left behind you do that on your face you can do it on your face all over your body okay. yeah you could even reuse old coffee grinds from your cafetiere just take it straight to the bathroom and and scrub scrub wow. away wow. yeah so the roughness of the coffee is is yeah exactly it, it, it's it's an exfoliator so it exfoliates but it's not too it's not too rough so some but you i mean you can use all sorts you can use um salt you can use sugar but we find those a little bit they can be a bit sharp a bit harsh so coffee we like and the caffeine in coffee helps to create a kind of temporary plumping effect as well so coffee scrubs are often used to help with things like lumps and bumps and cellulite and that kind of thing so tell us uh, why is it important to spring clean our beauty routine Yeah, I think for a couple of reasons. Um, I mean, firstly, it comes to this sort of time of year. um, We're just coming out of winter. um, And winter can be quite harsh on skin, the kind of cold climate, um, particularly if you're living in London as well, the sort of pollution and everyday sort of just harshness of, of city life can be quite stressful for skin. So this is quite a nice time of year to kind of restock, have a look at what you're currently using, see how you can shift to using products that are kind of suitable for slightly warmer climates, kind of. 
It feels like it's getting a bit warmer at the moment. I can't make its mind up, can <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, mm. and I think that's really important. I think it's important to, you know, have a beauty routine that is reflective of the kind of climate that you're living in. Um, and it's also quite a nice time to just kind of take stock of what you've been using so far, see if there are things that you can kind of replace and if you're looking at things from a clean beauty kind of angle, um, we look at spring cleaning in looking at making swaps for kind of high street beauty products that you might be using for a more kind of natural, the term non-toxic gets used quite a lot, but a kind of uh, a healthier alternative. And now's a nice time to do it. How much of your audience is blokes? Uh-huh. Other, the, the subtext of my question is how how much do blokes need to start doing this kind of thing? Um, well, I think they're two very, very different questions. The first one is about 8% of our audience, I think, when I last looked. 8%? That, that's to, well, traffic to our site is about 8%. As a kind of bloke in his yeah. 40s, what beauty things should I be doing? So I think... From a skincare point of view, your skin is no different to, you know, a, a woman in her 40s and, and you should be taking care of it in the same way that a woman would. Um, I know Hold that... on just a second. <laughs> Apart is. from the stuff. You're a nice looking chap, Dominic, but it's different <laughs> it's to a, a woman. It's the one thing, it makes you... Skin and hair are the two things that make you look either older or younger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, male or female, you would have to That's where I'm falling short. What else is it? What else is there? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I suppose. But you know what I mean, though? Hair, because like grey hair ages you. Yeah, absolutely. But someone like George Clooney who has got grey hair, but he's got good skin. He does have good skin. Yeah. Yeah. Probably using great beauty products. It's important. Clean beauty products, no doubt. He might be in your 8%. Do you have people in Berkshire? Uh, Why is it important for blokes to think about beauty? This is what you're asking. Firstly, as I said earlier, your skin is an organ you should treat it with respect and you know that starts with using great products great ingredients that will actually nourish your skin right so that's kind of number one the sort of basic there is also a a vanity element to it if that you know if you're interested in that then using good products can help make your skin look better can help make you look more youthful um, which is as important to males as it is to females um, so I think it's important but also I guess that and, and the reason that we look at clean beauty is um, there's the the kind of what you see on the outside the the vanity level of it right there's there's how your skin looks is how your skin looks down to the products that you're using. But then there's also what those products do, what's in those products that then goes further than your skin. So what of it is absorbed? You know, what of it actually makes it into your body? What of it mixes with other chemicals that you've been using in, you know, your laundry products or your cleaning products? And that's when that's when it doesn't matter what sex you are. You you know, it's your health. So it might be really annoying. Yeah. I know this isn't my interview, but it also sounds like a lot of fun. It looks yeah, like, yeah, because you make your own. Is that right? Do you sell products or do you sell... We do both. So what we found when we first started the blog was that people reacted to us in two different ways. And there were one set of people that said, this is great fun. I totally get it. Can you help me come up with recipes? Can you um, give me a helping hand as to how I get started? They totally bought the DIY beauty thing, right? That's great for us. So we wrote a book about it. Um, And yes, those people that enjoy it, um, it's a kind of ritual. Um, It can be something that you can get together with your friends and do. You know, there's a sort of pamper session element to it as well. And that's really fun. The do-it-yourself thing, which is quite fun. Yeah, really fun. In the Mm. same way that, uh, you know, I find cooking really fun. I love cooking. Mm. So approaching your beauty routine in the same way that you do kind of, yeah, making food, it's, it's very, very similar. Then we also found that there was a second camp of people that said, love it, get what you do, love natural, but um, I don't have time to make it myself or I don't see, I can't quite relate to how fun it might be. I don't think I'll be very good at it. So then they said, can we buy your products? And so we said, well, 
there's, yeah. there's yeah, a business. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but the do-it-yourself element, we do workshops as well. So cool. and we bring together like 20 people at a time and we have an afternoon and we have Prosecco and, you know, everybody goes wild over making their own serums and face masks and stuff and it's it's good fun it's really good I think fun. we should go to one of these things what do you think you Dominic? guys can I can give you an invite to both you can have VIP access <laughs> to both VIP access fantastic so Elsie give us three things that uh, we can do on a daily basis to improve our our skin and our complexion yeah so I think um the first one is a really boring one but I have to say it because it's really important and that's hydration and so first of all that will start with hydration from the inside out so make sure that you're drinking a lot of water but you can then take that hydration piece onto the beauty products that you're using as well and one thing that I would really recommend is experimenting with oils to hydrate the skin on your face so oils are a really really great natural beauty ingredient they come in all different types of wonderful forms and they are you know they are kind of nature at its purest in that they have haven't been watered down with anything with quite literally water or any synthetic fillers in any way so they're a really good way to get kind of um, ultra natural and very potent kind of um, ingredients and nourishment straight onto your skin so I would say using a facial oil is a really good kind of step to hydrating which oils would you recommend um if you're going to buy the just the straight up oil then rosehip oil is really lovely it's really good at skin cell rejuvenation I can never say that every time I use it skin, skin cell, cell rejuvenation, rejuvenation. yeah <laughs> um, which means that it helps the kind of cells turn over um, so it's often used for um, pigmentation or scarring or just uneven kind of skin tone. Um, so it's really, really nice at just sort of brightening. But if you want to buy a kind of ready-made mix of oils, then there are a number of natural beauty brands. We sell one called Rosy Glow, which is lovely. Rosy Glow? Um, yes. And it will give you I imagine that's got rosehip oil in it. It does, yes. yes. <laughs> OK, now... Just quickly on the subject of hydration, and this is in my own limited experience, it's probably using, you know, second-rate products. But every time I've ever used any kind of moisturiser, I find I get trapped in a kind of self-reinforcing thing where my skin actually seems to get drier, yeah. so I then need more my moisturiser. And I found, if, whereas if I never used moisturiser in the first place, then I wouldn't need it. Yeah, so it's that will be down to the type of moisturiser that you're using. Um, okay. If you have a look on the ingredients list of the creams that you're using, you'll probably see that aqua or water is number one, right? So okay. um, what big brands like to do is cut corners. Why they, so they call it aqua to make it sound more glamorous yeah, instead so. of just saying water. <laughs> no, it's the inky name. It's the, it's the Latin name which you have to, you have to list on your, oh, um, on see, your product. So by law they're doing it, but it does make it sound more fancy. So that water's doing nothing for your skin, but it's a way that big brands um, can cut down quite dramatically on costs yeah. and also dilute the amount of, um, let's go back to the oils that I was talking about, dilute the amount of active botanicals, so things like oils that they have to put in, which you guessed it is cheaper for them to do. OK, so one is hydration. Two? Yes, two, um, let's say exfoliate. So I would exfoliate three times a week. So you can either use something like a homemade coffee scrub, which we talked about earlier, um, or again, you could buy one from a natural beauty brand. We don't have one, but there are loads of great brands out there. So a couple of pie skincare or Aurelia skincare are really good. And third one? And the third one would be invest in a good um, floral water to use as a toner. Um, I know that doesn't sound particularly masculine, but rose water is a really, really simple, really easy one. And I would just carry around a bottle and you can spritz your face as often as you like and it will just help to keep it kind of fresh. I shall do all of those things. <laughs> so now it's time for some take-home tips. James... What are the first steps towards living life more with less? 
first, the most important thing you should do is actually not worry about your stuff. The most important thing you should do is spend your time, your focus and your energy on experiences instead. And you can you can do this in a game, ideally with friends. And next time you go to spend some money on something, you know, you walk past your favourite store and you see they've got a pair of shoes on sale or something like that. Notice how much money you were going to spend and stop yourself. Start to think about whether you really need that thing for a start. But then what you have to do is spend that money on an experience as quickly as possible within the next 24, 48 hours. Because then what you'll do is you'll shift your your mindset from how much stuff you have to the experiences you have. And the lovely thing is you'll spend the same amount of money, but you'll be spending it on experiences instead. So maybe you'll take a friend for lunch or, or you'll do something. Maybe you'll go somewhere you haven't been before. And the magic of that, I think, is you'll start to see the happiness and the memories that come from experiences, not stuff. Elsie, if listeners were to try one of your recipes, which one would you recommend? And give us a nice, easy one. Yeah, um, I would recommend a recipe that we've got called Fuss Free, which is an in-shower moisturiser and balm. So the idea is that you pop it on in the shower and you wash it off and you don't have to get out and moisturise again, which is so great if you're uh, lazy or just, you know, don't have much time. Fuss Free. Fuss Free, yeah. Fuss Free. It does what it says on the tin. And it's made up of coconut oil. Is washing your face good for you? Yes, yeah. Because some people say it's not, it's bad and you lose all the oils. It is good for you. Well, there's a whole thing at the moment that people are saying double cleanse. So do it twice in the evening and not in the morning. Okay. So don't wash off the oils in the morning that your skin is produced. Okay, but you can splash water on your face in the morning. Yes. Okay, thank you. Right, so the book titles we've talked about today are all out now. Stuffocation, Living More With Less by James Woolman. Clean Beauty by Elsie Rutterford and Dominika Minarovic, and That's Not How We Do It Here by John Cotter. And you can find out more about the authors on this show at virgin.com, as well as motivational tips, podcasts and advice. We'd love to hear how this show has inspired you to live life better. Get involved with the conversation on Twitter at Virgin Books using the hashtag LiveLifeBetter. Thanks again to my guests. Join us again in two weeks' time as we continue our quest to improve our lives. I'm Dominic Frisby. Live Life Better is a Pixiu production for Virgin Books in association with Penguin Living. Cheerio! Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.